When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hey, Real Lifers, welcome to episode 166. I'm actually recording this pretty late on Saturday night. I went to see Andy Cohen. Um, He came to D.C. for one of his book events, and there's not a whole lot of tea that was spilled, but someone in the audience did ask him, hey, Nini recently said that she'd be up for going back on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, what do you think about that? And he basically said, we've got a really good group for this next season and everything's already underway. So kind of hinting she's not really needed, but I'm not very shocked after all of the stuff that we read in Dave Quinn's book. It's not all diamonds and rosé about the falling out that Andy and Nini had when she left Bravo. Another member of the audience asked him about what the hell was going on with Roni, and he really wouldn't get into it. So over the last, I guess, week or so, what's come out is that there were two separate incident reports filed with HR about Ramona Singer. One happened in December of 2020. A member of the crew that films The Real Housewives of New York filed a complaint about Ramona, something with racism. I don't know what it was. And then just this week, it came out that Ebony filed in, uh, a report as well about Ramona. And Allegedly, she says that Ramona said, this is why we shouldn't have black people on the show after one of the episodes aired. I think it was the one where Luann and Ebony got into an argument and Luann said Ebony was angry and it, yeah. So uh, there was investigations into both of these incidents Uh, For the first one with the crew, apparently, you know, whatever happened, it was found to have happened. And then with uh, the situation with Ebony, there was, you know, investigations and, you know, the cast and crew were interviewed and there was, you know, no evidence backing up Ebony's claims. And now it seems like Ebony's on the outs with everyone on the cast, including Leah, which I was kind of shocked by because she had posted about how Leah was basically family, like some of your friends become family. That was something that she posted on Instagram not too long ago. And then this week on an Instagram live that Ebony was doing, she got asked about her friendship with Leah, and she said that they're what they've always been, pleasant colleagues. That doesn't sound exactly like family. 
I do not know what is going on there. And honestly, I don't even know how we would save Roni at this point. It just, when you bring in this HR aspect, it's very, it's just so much more serious than even I, I think I realized in terms of things that I'm excited about. I can't wait for the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion. I'm really interested to just kind of see how it's all going to unfold. And I cannot wait for the next few weeks of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Andy Cohn said that this week and next week are really, really must watch TV, but especially next week. So episode 10 of Salt Lake City, he says is one of the best episodes of Real Housewives of all time. And I'm really curious to see the audience's reaction to Jen Shaw, especially seeing how hard everyone went after Erica Girardi this past season. You know, objectively, Jen is facing much more serious legal allegations than Erica is. So I think the difference is that in June when that, you know, documentary came out on Hulu, The Housewife and the Hustler, we got to see for the first time some of the victims. And once there is a face and names to these victims, it becomes so much more real and it's so much more harder to swallow what she's telling us and seeing the fact that she has Almost, she's expressing no empathy about what happened to these victims in this situation. And Jen Shaw has victims as well. We just haven't heard from them and we haven't seen them. So I'm just really curious to see what everyone's reaction will be. I know many of you thought that I've been too easy on Erica this whole season, but I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I just think that. You know, she didn't know what was going on with Tom and how he was getting all that money for many years. Eventually, she figured it out and she left. And yeah, she's lying, saying that she's leaving for any reason other than the money dried up. But I don't know what to tell you. I think that her real crime is having a complete lack of empathy and being a really shitty person. And... I know that everyone's very upset because there are real victims in this situation. I just think Tom is the one to blame for most of it. And she had just had a, you know, a crappy reaction to it. And I don't know that we should have expected any different given what we've seen from her and how she has always been not deliberately cold, but inherently cold, as PK says. Now, this week, I have such a fantastic guest. I have Nimade Bewu. She is so lovely. You guys know her as at that African butterfly on Instagram. We talk everything. All the housewives, we get into winter house, everything but Vanderpump Rules, which um, maybe I'll get into a bit more next week. It's just really dark with this whole domestic violence situation, and I just didn't want to give any more of my energy to that this week. All right, guys, if you like the podcast, go rate it five stars and write a nice review. I love hearing from you from that. Also, follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. Please send me DMs. Let me know what you think of the episode, what you're thinking about Erica Jane, Beverly Hills, what's up, you know, what's coming on Salt Lake. I love hearing from all of you. 
I hope you have a wonderful week and we're going to take a quick break and I'll be back with Namade. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. I am here with Namade Bewu. She is the host of the YouTube show Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo, among many other things. You guys all know her as That African Butterfly on Instagram, where she does a ton of lives and produces incredible content. Welcome to the show, Namade. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been thinking about this since I first met you, maybe was it a month ago when Vanderpump Rules premiered? And you hosted this such a fun like get together of all these different podcasters and Instagram accounts chatting about Vanderpump. And it was a blast. (laughs) Thanks for being a part of it. Yeah, I had so much fun with that. I loved it. It's so fun to meet people through this, you know, podcast Bravo universe. It's just absolutely incredible how many cool and fun and endearing people exist. I'm- it, it's, it's one of the things that I, because I've always liked people in general, but as you mentioned, I do like a bunch of lives on my page and I love them almost every time. Like I leave each conversation, like you are amazing. And even if I thought it was going to be like a chill conversation I just have such an appreciation for people even more now because everyone has something interesting. Everyone has a story and it's so much fun. And then like with my series, Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo, I'm obsessed with everybody. Like we have these like really great conversations and I have to like edit for teaser clips. I'm like, this person's the funniest. No, this person's the funniest. I love them all. So it's just, it's fun. It sounds cheesy, but I just like love everyone, which is fun. I know. I feel the same way. And it's so interesting. Like everyone brings their own perspective to these shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was talking to you um, over email that, you know, my father was a refugee. And it's so exciting to see Jenny, who's also a refugee, like being featured on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake. I just think it's so nice to have that representation and everyone looks at things differently because of their background or, you know, what they do for work or, or you know, their ethnicity or race or whatever it is. And I just think it makes the conversation so much richer and more interesting. Yeah, because you all bring down, bring in your background. You know, as you mentioned, your dad's um, an immigrant. I am as well. I came from Liberia. Um, I left because of the war. And it's interesting that you mentioned Jenny, too, because there's all that talk about, like, the sister wives and all of that. And people think of, like, oh, like, Utah. And he mentions his culture. Like, my grandma was a sister wife. She was mm-hmm. the first wife out of a few in her marriage. So, like, my viewpoint of that whole situation is a little bit different than other people who are, like, super offended. I'm like, like, I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Like, I get how if that's in your culture, it's not as wild of a thing as, like, some people here might think of it. Right. It's, it'd also be interesting to know for Dewey, like when he came to the U.S., like what, his, you know, because 
coming later, you have so much more background in a different country and stuff. But if he was raised primarily in Utah without that, and then he brings it in and has never mentioned it ever in his marriage before, yeah. I could definitely see how his wife was caught off guard. Yeah. Especially since he was pretty vocal about not being happy about it. I think it's interesting. I, I'm sorry, we're so out of order with, with Whatever. this schedule. Whatever. I just think it's interesting that like, he would rather get a sister wife than go to therapy. Um, and especially as someone, mental health, I talk about all the time on my platforms. Um, and I'm a huge advocate of therapy. And he obviously has some healing to do. And it's interesting that he will lean into the culture aspect of it, of sister wives are okay and therapy is not okay. Instead of leaning into like, I live in the US now and sister wives aren't okay, but therapy is okay. like, he just doesn't want to have that talk. Totally. You know, people say like, oh, men will like run for president before going to therapy. They'll do all these different things before going. (laughs) And it's just like upsetting your wife who's gone through trauma as well. Having a stillborn, having nine miscarriages. Nine. That's it's unfathomable in so many ways. He seems like such a good guy, too, that I almost feel like I don't want to say it's fake. But I don't know, he just doesn't give me the vibes of being someone that callous that he would just like all of a sudden after all of these years be like, oh, you know, like we should get a sister wife and I don't care that you don't want kids. I'm going to keep pushing it. It just almost makes me feel like, oh, this is a good storyline for us to go with. Like maybe it's something that's talked about a little bit, but I feel like they're embellishing it a little bit more. I mean, or I could totally be reading him wrong and he's kind of, um, an insensitive jerk, but I just read it more as based on like how their relationship seems, how their family unit seems. I, they seem kind of solid and really like endearing and like the things that they do. So it makes me feel like this storyline is probably a little bit more put on than it actually is. It totally could be that way. I have no idea. I yeah. I don't trust him just because he, I don't like that he says that he's a physician when he's not. It's like you're trying yeah, to masquerade. He's a doctor, right? Yeah, which is there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Then, you know, talk about things that you know, like yeah. aligning the spine, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah. like, you know, reducing pain. <laughs> things, yeah. you know, don't try to speak to something that you don't know a lot on. Um but he, yeah, something about all of this just feels very weird to me. Yeah. But I um, want to hear more about it at the reunion. Yeah. I hope they I hope cover Andy it asks them for some sure. questions at the reunion. And I hope it doesn't get brushed under because there's so many other things coming with Mary and with Jen Shaw. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, I have to ask you, though, and speaking of culture and different countries, we've got an announcement about the first international Housewives franchise from Bravo, which is The Real Housewives of Dubai was announced this week. What was your kind of initial reaction to that? So for me, because I'm a Bravo sort of housewife addict, I have watched other international Real Housewives <clears throat> I didn't realize that they weren't Bravo sanctioned. So like when I watched the real housewives of um, what's the one in, Aus- in Australia, Melbourne. Well, yeah. Melbourne. And then I think it was on you, you on Netflix, the real housewives of Bollywood. Um, so like I, I've watched other real housewives. So I wasn't like super, super shocked. I just was surprised actually that the other ones weren't sanctioned by Bravo, but I think it'll be interesting. Um, 
I'm looking forward to it. I guess some people have issues with it because it's in the Middle East, but I don't know. I feel like one thing that's really frustrating about fandom is like we watch these shows to see lives outside of our own. We watch them for the opulence. We watch them for the extravagance and the -the over-the-topness, but then people turn around and want to like shame them for their opulence and over-the-topness. And it's like, well, if you wanted to watch them, just be normal people, like go to TLC. You can watch lots of like people living (laughs) life like you over there. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I want to watch people living lives that I don't have and, you know, and be entertained by that. So, and Dubai is like, when I think opulence, like, holy smokes, Dubai. So I hope it's like beyond extravagant. I'm ready for it. Me too. I've only been to the airport in Dubai a few times, never left the airport, but it felt like going from like JFK to Dubai felt like the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God, we're in like the Stone Ages here and they are mm-hmm. so advanced with their technology, with absolutely everything. Yeah. I remember flying during um, the first week or two of the swine flu outbreak in oh, wow. 2009 and they had a, a temperature check. Like you walked through, uh, you walked through like screening and security and it said what your temperature was so they could like oh, tell cool. if you had the flu it yeah. was i was like what it's 2009 this is so crazy like, you so know advanced. well i think we also are like just so americanized to think that like we're the best we're number one we're top of the line everything and you know don't cancel me but we're not like we're so <laughs> far behind in several areas in several ways i mean not that we're not great we are but we also are not like the top in a lot of areas and so sometimes it's nice I think for people to see that because I think when they do think of certain places whether it's like Africa where there are continents with lots where there are countries within Africa with lots of money or um Dubai in the Middle East like there's opulence there and I think we sometimes forget it and we just see you know like war-torn areas and think like that's what the Middle East is all about and they're not they have money um so I'm looking forward to it did you watch um ladies of london like are you I, familiar with caroline i'm familiar i never watched like i w- couldn't say i watched every single episode that came out but when yeah. there was a you know reruns of it and stuff i would have it on in the background i found her very charming very amusing uh, such a character you know like yeah, i was yeah. i was invested in her life i wanted to know more And she's the perfect person to, like, bring us in. I'm sure they have plenty of other people that are just as fascinating. Yeah, I think she'll be good. I like her. She's controversial. But as I get older and wiser, I find I like (laughs) the more controversial people more. Like, um, I've said it recently. Like, I feel like the way I view reality TV has changed a bit over the years. Like, I used to view it as, like, do I like this person? Would I want to be friends with this person? Would I want them in my life? Versus now I'm like, do they make the TV? You know, like, are they fun for TV? So I still have the people who I'm like, okay, I like them. Like, they're genuinely someone I like. And then there's people like, like, I don't know if you watch Married with Medicine on Bravo, but like Dr. Havenly, that woman, like the first season I was like, I can't stand her. But now when I think of her just in terms of like television viewing, she's gold. She's amazing. Um, I don't think that would translate to wanting to be friends with her in real life. Maybe she's a lot. Um, so I think like with Caroline, I'm trying to decide if I want to go back and catch reruns of Ladies of London or if I just want to start fresh with her with Dubai. 
I think I want to start fresh just because I'm I don't want to bring things from like four years ago, you know, into yeah. what's like she I know has a new partner now who's much younger. She's like in mm-hmm. it's such a different space. Yeah, so, that's true. But I did go back and watch the first five seasons of Married to Medicine this spring. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal was to get through all of them so I could watch season eight, but I'm not through all of them yet. (laughs) But Dr. Heavenly grew on me very quickly. I Mm -hmm. mean, when I tell you there is probably no one that can make me laugh harder while watching a show, I can't stop laughing. Like her commentary is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if I think of it as like a tv show and not a reality show I love her and I feel like that's what I have to do more with these sometimes is just think of it as like it's just a character and when I think and I think some of them think of themselves as just characters and when I think of it as that feeling I just I love them love for, a good villain for sure I feel like viewers tend to and this like I do this we all do this love to put people in the categories because that's how we make sense of the world and so it's like oh this person is good or this person is Mm -hmm. bad or this person is evil or this person is selfish when really most people are all of those things yes and I find it most interesting with you know getting into Beverly Hills Erica Girardi and how people you know, started by loving her and she was queen. Yes, queen, you know, and and her Mm -hmm. opulence and everything. And then absolutely turned on her and made her this incredibly, um, you know, unlikable and narcissistic person, which I think she's like all of those things. So love to get your thoughts on how one, how she handled the reunion and two, if you were on that stage with her as one of her castmates, would you feel comfortable asking her questions about no. her situation? Um, and I did want to like hit on a point you mentioned before, which is that like people are both good and bad, even though we want to put them into subcategories. But I like that's why I love shows like like Potomac. Like I like and dislike all of them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and even um even like Salt Lake City, with the exception of Jen, well, even Jen, I like most. Like they, they are good cast because they're very likable and also dislikable. Like you like both sides of the coins with almost all of them. At least I do. Um, and with Erica, Erica's so interesting to me. It's interesting watching her, her fall, if you will, which I think she'll rise back up again. I think that people love seeing confidence in other people when they agree with the person and when they like the person, then it's confidence and yes, queen and you're amazing. But then when the person is someone that they don't like what they were now calling previously calling, calling confidence, they're now calling, you know, like narcissistic and being self-centered and being all of those things. Um, And on some level, I think that while many of us do like watching those shows for the, the opulence and the money and the wealth, I think there's very much a part of us, especially those of us in like middle-class America who like, I don't know, like we feel like people who have that much money can't really have gotten it by being straight up legit. Like there's just, you know what I mean? Like there's a level of like, okay, this person's rich and they made money. And then there's like, they have so much money. There's no way you did that all the legal way. Like there's just a part of us like a tingling in our backgrounds because those stories always come out. 
And here we go again with a story just like that coming out. Someone with like extreme wealth, Mr. Like we have two private jets and we do all those things. And then boom, it comes out that they were frauding people allegedly. And you're like, see, there it is. You know, I knew it. So I think that that's part of what people are feeling with their thing with her. It's like, I knew it. I knew it couldn't have all been that great legally. So I think that they, um, I think they attach onto that. Um, Erica's a hard one to talk to also like as much as she was like oh ask me questions come to me but she lashes out every time someone asked her a question like no matter how they phrased it or how calmly it's like well who who would want to come out or who would want to ask you those questions she gets so upset it's like there's literally no winning with her so if I was on the stage you know like you mentioned I don't I mean, I would ask the questions because I don't care, but I would be like Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like Sutton. I'm going to ask you those questions. But I understand the hesitancy of people to ask her them because she latches out. There's really no winning with her in that situation. I'd be terrified. I don't like yelling. I really just, when someone yells, I just, I'm like, that's not for me. That's not yeah. how I communicate. And I yeah. refuse to be communicated with that way. So yeah. It's just the audacity of her to be such an asshole to everyone and mm-hmm. expect, yeah, you, when you said project confidence, I mean, there is sort of a political, like it reminds me of politicians who even in the face of scandals, as long as I project confidence and keep going and completely ignore what the scandal is, it won't cling to me. And a lot of times it works. And But that's the thing is yeah. that's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, that that's the truth. And that's one thing I've gotten from like my love of reality TV and all that stuff. And like, I always say like, I study it, but it's true. Like you study human natures and the way we handle things. And she probably knows full well that you can write it out because no matter, first of all, no matter how bad of a thing you do, there's going to be people who are on your side. That's just how it is. And that whole time heals all wounds. It's the same thing with viewers. Like eventually, just like how eventually everyone becomes a villain. If you stick around long enough, also, eventually, people usually have some form of redemption. That's because people are both villains and good in the same. That's what's that's yeah. what I and so people I've had listeners say they think I'm too easy on Erica. I just think that people want to be upset with her for the, the crimes that were committed, but she didn't commit those crimes. Her fault is once she found out about them, she didn't show any empathy and right. that is unforgivable to most people. I find it um, pretty awful. It just, but it shows she's a complete narcissist who centers herself in this tragedy as if she is the ultimate victim and she is not. And all the viewers see it and we know it because we watched that Hulu documentary where you actually got to see the guy who had, you know, burns on 90% of his body. Once you see that, it's pretty easy to understand why people are pissed I just think um it'll be interesting for me to see if people hold that same you know anger towards Jen Shaw who has allegedly actually committed the crimes at hand and mastermind you know those crimes she was the the head honcho she was the top of the Mm -hmm. pyramid of the scheme so that's to me like that is worse than what happened that erica's you know role in what happened to me yeah it's just it's very interesting and it 
also lends to the fact that people like who they like and they're willing to ignore what they want if they like a person enough. Um, I do think with Erica that it was, you know, I was watching and, you know, when they asked like, oh, have you talked to, to Tom? And she was like, yeah, I asked him like, why? And I thought she was going to say like, why did you hurt the people? Why did you? And she's like, why did you leave me with millions? Um, Blah, blah, blah. Like, why aren't you talking about like the victims? And the part of me that has been a longtime fan of hers wants to say like, maybe legally she can't talk about it. But I feel like she could talk about it more than she does. And she really is just like, so all about her. And I don't feel like she's expressed enough empathy. Because if you can say he allegedly did, you know, his snow in the tire or whatever it was, you can say allegedly <laughs> no. with the victims too and have like, you know, like some concern for them. And I think that is really the biggest problem there. I think had she handled this in a way where you could see she has concern for other people where you could see like, I think she still loves Tom. Mm-hmm. I do. Whether she's in love with him, I don't know, but she definitely still loves Tom. And you can tell by the way she cries. I think the divorce really was to save herself in this lawsuit and it didn't work anyways. Um, but I think she definitely still loves him. And I think she's still hurt like as a wife is hurt. And we want to see her like upset as a human being should be upset about horrible things done to another human being, but she's still so wrapped up in herself that it makes it hard to like really empathize with her. Yeah, I find it very difficult to empathize with her. I just it's like she will be fine. She still has a nice place to live. She still has a nice car. She's got that super cute dog. Like Mm -hmm. she will be okay. And I don't understand how she can't she she can't express empathy. It's just like not who she is. You know, like when you're living next door to Army Hammer, don't tell me about how <laughs> terrible your life is. You know? Although like, that that does sound like a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. After, after we learned about him, that's a whole nother thing. But and I get it. Like when your lifestyle drastically changes from one thing to another, it is upsetting. You know, um, for her, it is a huge change in lifestyle. Um, but, you know. Given the situation of what we're talking about, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, oh, we lost our money and you've had this huge change in lifestyle. Then I think we would be more empathetic to her about it all. But like knowing that the lifestyle was fronted literally off of the pain and suffering of other people who have so much less and have even more or less, more or less great English and have even <laughs> less because of the actions of your husband. And now you want us to cry because you had to like, bum it down to like a gorgeous like two three bedroom home and blah 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 like you still have a glam squad like come on girl like we can't have that level of empathy with you and I do think it'll be interesting to see how everyone deals with Jen because while she's at the top of her Ponzi scheme she I mean hers is more of a Ponzi scheme right it wasn't like victim I mean there's victims with money but it wasn't like victims I think it is though I think it is is, because it was it was fraud it was it was um convincing people to buy services that one they didn't need and two they weren't provided and um so they would convince people who were older oh we'll help you start an internet based company and the people didn't even Mm -hmm. have a computer Mm, yeah, it was, yeah. you know, and, and then once people were completely defrauded of their money, 
they would sell these people's names and information to others who would then call them and be like, are you in debt? We can help get you out of debt. And then they would be further in debt from what happened. So they were preyed upon by by Jen and her people. And then they were preyed upon by people who she sold their information to. Yeah. So I... That's I, awful. I know I, Hulu is looking at doing um, a documentary on this. I just don't know if they're going to find people willing to talk before the trial. I, if, right. I'm assuming that anyone that has a lawyer in this would be told, don't speak about this. The trial is in March. Keep yeah. it together. It looks like she's going to jail. You It'll know? be interesting to see if she goes to jail. Do you I think she'll stay on the cast see... if she does? I mean, Teresa stayed on cats. I can't see how she doesn't mm-hmm. spend time behind bars, given people that were in the lower end of this scheme have pled guilty and are currently behind bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I just get on my... Social justice soapbox for just a minute. <laughs> yes. It drives me a little bit crazy. So a lot of people, I think, aren't as educated on the bail system in this country. And it is so infuriating to me because it is so set up for people who have money. Like these horrible crimes that she does, she is outliving her life versus someone can do a small crime. And because they can't pay for bail, they can be in jail for months years waiting for their court date simply because they can't pay the bail to get out and i think it's such a horrible system i talk about it because i feel like more people need to know about it and need to know about like the for-profit prison systems and to just learn about it and educate yourselves on it and um do it i mean i'm still at a point of like what can we do about it and there's definitely some people doing more things writing letters petitioning i'm at the awareness part just trying to raise awareness so this is me doing my part to let you know that not everyone in jail is actually guilty. There's a bunch of people in jail who have, in jail who have never been found guilty. They just can't pay to get out on bonds versus people can literally do murder or have um, fraud with millions. But because they can afford it, they can get out and live their life and chill until their, their court date is up. And it's it makes me mad. That's such an important point, because Jen, like. The fact that she's just able to be on the show and mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you're right. She's it's still living her life. She got arrested and she's just living her life. And and this is my point also about the Real Housewives of Dubai is that mm-hmm. people are like, oh, they have these draconian laws against women and LGBTQ. And it's like they do. But and I haven't lived in Dubai, but I've lived in, in other places that have similar laws. And it is a you know, multi-tier system and that when people have resources, it's not as big of a deal when they're openly gay or when they're drinking in a place that is a dry country. It is a different situation. You have a different amount of power than the people who are even supposed to enforce those laws if you have more money than them. So we have that same sort of system in the U.S. where we have sets of laws that seem to be for people who have resources, and then there's a different set for people who don't have access to those resources. And so I just – I pisses me off a little bit when people are very judgmental of other societies and other systems yeah. when we are very flawed ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I'll you get off. Absolutely, <laughs> so I know, but you like absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Like we are so judgmental of the things that we see in other cultures. And I just, am like, uh, have you paid attention to the way American <laughs> laws work? Have you paid attention to the way things work in our country? Cause it's, it's a lot the same. It is a lot the same, even if we don't want to say it. 
Um, and there's a quote I love, which is like, every time you point a finger, there's three pointing back at you. And that is absolutely true when we talk about the laws and the restrictions of other countries. Just look at the different things that are being rolled out. Like, not to, sorry, I did not mean to take us on a political <laughs> rampage. Like, different things that are being rolled out now. Like, we are very much like some of the things that we allegedly hate about other cultures, we reflect in our culture. Totally. And we just don't like to point it out, but it's very much the same. It's like that meme of the Superman that are looking at each other. Yeah, you know? that are all looking at each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want to be like, save that energy for the U.S. How about like all the fire you feel about it happening over there? Feel that fire and make a difference over here. Yeah. And then the question is like, are you not going to consume entertainment? from that you know like I still watch the Real Housewives of Dallas and look at the laws in Texas about women and access to abortion like I I don't know you know everyone has their own line in the sand um but for me if it's on if on if it's on Bravo like I will probably watch it (laughs) like it's something like majorly offensive or hugely horrible or when it becomes more hate watch than enjoyment watching like I don't do Orange County it's just not enjoyable to me I really wasn't feeling Dallas that much I came back so I wanted to see Tiffany but like unless it's something like truly horrible I'm not going to cancel my viewing of it oh yeah it's only if I don't get enjoyment right like that's (laughs) that's the point for me it's like this is entertainment this is my these are my stories that I watch I like it I have fun doing it don't make me feel bad about it I don't want to feel guilty or bad yeah and everyone has their like own thing for like what is too much right like all of the people who are like oh ebony brought racism to to new york and now it's so serious it's like um did we not talk about like taylor's abusive husband and like did like there's so many like truly horrible things we have talked about and filed it under entertainment and watched the horrific car rock car crash scene of it and still been okay with it and that's your that's your level i wish that wasn't your level too much but that's yours but just understand that all the other stuff you've consumed is serious real life stuff that you've consumed as entertainment as well so like for me i can't hear anyone on their like high horse about like it's not fun like it used to be like fun like it used to be we all love beverly hills and we're talking about like fraud victims it's not getting like their money. Like, how is that? You should not be saying that that's fun and levity television. I mean, I am enjoying it. <laughs> Maybe right. I don't know what this says about me, but I am thoroughly enjoying this. Like everyone trying to get, you know, understand what's going on with. Yeah. And, but, but for me, part of the enjoyment of these shows is also talking about everyone else's consumptions of the shows and what yes. people else. It's it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I recommend everyone read. It's just it's a short read. I promise it's not long. <laughs> but the in the LA Times, those um, two reporters that wrote that expose from December that all of the women on the show, you know, complained about being too long. They're interviewed by a senior editor about Mm -hmm. what it's been like watching things play out on this season and how much their article kind of played into it. And that was really um, funny and fascinating and interesting. I mean, the best part I thought was um, one of them was people are saying like, oh, my God, this must be the highlight of your career. And she's like, I did win a Pulitzer. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, we tend to think like yeah. if it's a big, like nothing's a big deal until it's a big deal to us, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's just human nature. And we do it all the time. Like, oh, the minute you hear about like a celebrity, it's like, oh, now they're somebody, but they were somebody before. Like they had millions of followers. 
before you heard of them, but they don't really like matter in your world because they're not in your world. And that's just sort of, it's human nature. But like you said, I love watching the shows to see what happens and also to see how we like talk about them. That's why I started Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo because like there are things I want to talk about, like life things, but I like talking about them through the lens of the show, A, because then you don't have to get too personal with your own business. And B, it's like a unifying thing. Like we all know who we're talking about when we talk, like when we want to have a conversation about words matter and we talk about Crystal's use of violate, like we all know what we're talking about and can have that conversation kind of in the same space. And I I enjoy that because it's deep, but also not too deep. Yes. Totally. Okay, so speaking of Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo, let's jump into Potomac. Um, So it was the season finale. I mean, I felt like it was a little bit of a snooze fest, even though I absolutely love this franchise. I think it's probably my favorite franchise um, Mm -hmm. right now, uh, also because I live in D.C., and so it's super fun to see all of that stuff. But Karen Huger and Giselle Bryant are just so incredible to me as, you know, kind of friends and foes on this show, but wanted to get your thoughts, especially on when Candace in this episode got upset with Michael and Chris and they were arguing and she shouts at Michael, like, this is the whitest privilege I've ever seen. Mm. What were your thoughts on that? What do you think she was referencing and um, how did you think Chris handled his response to her? It's interesting that you mentioned that because I definitely viewed it one way. And then um, my friend online, Taria, from What Else Is Going On podcast Love made a view. Oh, she's fabulous. She's, yes. She made a point of it. And I'm just like, well, okay. Because um, the way that I viewed it watching the scene was that they were arguing and they were sort of going back and forth and she thought they were being ridiculous and she found the whole situation ridiculous. So she said, this is the widest privilege and got up and left. That's how I took it in. And because I took it in that way, I thought her usage of white privilege was ridiculous. Um, And because white privilege is definitely a thing. It's just that it's so hard getting people, some people to understand that it's the thing And because people like to misconstrue what it means. So for me, when you throw it out there in a way that that's not white privilege at all, by the definition of white privilege, it annoys me because it's like we're already trying and fighting against other people who argue against it, who have their cognitive dissonance and don't want to believe that it's real. So then when we black people use the term incorrectly, it's like even more frustrating. Um, And so because of that's how I took in the scene as I viewed it. I think that's kind of, it seemed like that's how Chris took it in as well. So he was like, why would you even say that? And I was with him on that. Now, Taria was saying that there was a lack of accountability for Michael and his actions and that that is deep, you know, seeping in white privilege, which she's absolutely correct. And if that's how Candace meant it, that's correct. I don't really feel like that's necessarily how she meant it in that situation in that time. Um, but so, yeah, so it was it was frustrating for me because I don't know, it just felt like she was throwing out like there are two white men here 
arguing at this event and over something stupid. And it's the biggest white privilege that this is ridiculous and I'm getting up and leaving. Um, that's how I took it in. In which case I was like, that's not how, that's not how it works, Candace. <laughs> no. <laughs> making this harder for us. <laughs> totally. I 100% feel you on everything you just said. Um, you know, I'm Jewish and, uh, you know, there's always a lot of arguments about what anti-Semitism is and isn't. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, you know, love to, to throw that name out sometimes and when it's maybe not the right term for it or, or whatever. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Just use it when you're supposed to use it. But everyone has different views of what things are, which is which is so interesting. I definitely saw both of those things that you just said at the same time. I was like, she's yelling and it's not clear to me like why she's yelling about that. Yeah. But this is also the first time she has filmed with Michael since Mm -hmm. a year ago. And she's witnessing him after all of the antics he's pulled still be allowed to film for this show. Yeah. And so if she's saying like this is the whitest privilege, like this guy showing up and having the audacity and Bravo allowing him after being accused of, you know, harassing production and all you know Mm -hmm. all the shit that he's pulled so yeah yeah, no I that's it's interesting and I don't know which one it is and I think we'll find out hopefully at the reunion it'll be brought up I hope so too and the thing with Candace is that like she's very intelligent she's very intelligent um and I could understand actually especially after Taria said it I could see like maybe that's what was going on in her mind the problem is when Candace gets angry she loses it and so does not articulate it. And like she can't stay calm enough to express exactly what she's thinking and feeling. And because I know she's so smart, um, I wish that she could. I wish she would either learn to like stay quiet until she calms down or learn how to like say it in a way that makes sense. But just saying like, this is the biggest white privilege and walking off like doesn't explain anything, you know? And so she either needs to not say it at all or don't throw out something like she it's like she knows buzz things to say as well and they 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 land their mark she throws out the buzz phrase the buzz word the buzz insult it lands its mark but then she comes back later and she's mad that people are mad at her for what she said because she didn't mean it that way it's like well how are we supposed to know how we how you meant it because you threw it out in a way to like incite or elicit a reaction and you got your reaction you got what you wanted but now you're mad because you know behind those words you meant more, but you didn't wait until you were calm enough to have a conversation about it. We can only judge off of what we hear. And what we hear is you talking smack, mad smack. Yep. No, I totally, it's like Candace is in the right in so many situations, but yeah. how she handles herself is wrong. And, 100%. you know, for the people that think that she should be able to, when she is insulted, hit back, you know, however she wants, because she was the one that was insulted. I disagree. I think, you know, proportion matters. And when you have a disproportionate response, you look crazy and it makes you seem like you're not a rational person to engage Mm -hmm. with. So that that's how I feel time like well and then we spend time talking about like like and that's I think what is frustrating about it is that there are so many situations where she's in the right, but because of her reaction. Now we're discussing her reaction, not the situation where she was right in the first place, which I'm sure is frustrating for her because it's like, I know I'm in the right and no one is agreeing with me. Everyone's talking about this, but it's like, well, girl, you have to remember like how you put it out there is how we are taking it and how we are dealing it. And we can only deal with 
what you present out there. We can't, you know, read between the lines all the time, but I just wish you would like calm down and take a breath. Like I, I always say that, like, I always take the high road and it's not because like, I love taking the high road. It's because I hate apologizing. I'll apologize if I have to, but I absolutely hate it. And I will be damned if you wronged me. And now I have to apologize to you because of how I reacted to the wrong you did me. Like I'm not, we're not doing that. So I'd rather be quiet until I can handle it in a rational way than to go off. And now I'm apologizing to you for something you did wrong. I can't. And and that's what she ends up having to do a lot. And I'm sure it's infuriating to her. I get it. I am with you. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. You know, it's very frustrating. Now, I've got a question for you about Michael Darby. Why? Okay, so we know that Michael loves hanging out with Juan and is potentially sexually interested in Juan. But what I don't understand is why is Juan like cool with this? Like, does Juan really like Michael back? That's exactly what I was just about to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) I really was giving this some serious thought the other day. And I'm like, okay, there's one of two things. Either like, well, no, maybe one of three things. One thing, just his ego loves the attention. That could be it. Um, two, he just really is just like that chill, cool, totally comfortable with his sexuality, like doesn't care guy, which is, you know, fine also. I'm like, or like, you know, maybe there's a little something there on his end too. Like, like you know how there are some straight guys who like, if someone is doing something to them, but they're not doing something, they're still straight. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, so they're not straight, but um, <laughs> right in well, their I mean, mind, like in their mind, if they're getting a blowjob and not giving one, then they're not doing anything gay. Yeah, so I feel I, like I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit of that. I feel um, like this reminds me of James Kennedy and Logan yeah. from yes. maybe season six. It was yeah, yeah. Yep. Of Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. And I also don't know if, like, maybe it's not sexual in nature and it just comes across that way based on how we're shown it. But really, they're just bros. Like, whatever it is, I've never seen until this week that Juan actually enjoyed hanging out with Michael as well. Like, that never came across in all of these seasons of the show. Yeah. Well, I think also it's probably, if it's not the sexual thing, then I think it is a bit of the ego thing. And I think that it is the, um, you know, like you like hanging around people who like hanging around you. Like they make you feel good. And I'm sure Michael makes Juan feel good. I think Michael is very, or Juan is very aware of the reputation that he has with the other women because they know about his path. I don't think Juan does himself any favors. And it's almost like it's frustrating to watch like when he storms off when Robin tries to bring up a thing because it's like he can make those redeeming moments like those could be like when Robin talks about like you know you weren't there for me back in the day with the kids and if we do have a girl you know I need you there like instead of being like I don't want to talk about it that's the past you make me look bad and storming (laughs) off you can be like you're absolutely right like you know that was so long ago I was going through a lot. I was in a different place in my life. I'm so glad you stuck with me. I'm here for you and the kids now. I want to have another baby so I can experience those moments. I miss that. Like, like help help yourself, Juan. I almost feel like Robin brings it up to give him a chance 
to help himself. And instead, every opportunity, he makes himself look bad. To me, anyways, I'm not a Juan fan because he just makes himself look really bad. (laughs) No, I I completely agree. I feel like there's something between them where he's like, this isn't a conversation for the camera. But I don't know. uh, But you agreed to be on a show. And if this is what she's bringing up. Yeah, I just it's interesting that they tried to discuss it in therapy and it seemed to go better there. Mm -hmm. And so I maybe this is kind of a lesson for Robin that if she wants to have some of these serious conversations, it's best to do it with sort of a neutral party um, so that he hears it in a way where he's thinking, okay, well, this is coming to improve our marriage or relationship rather than to insult me and make me out to be an absentee father. Yeah, I think he also just doesn't like that. It makes them look bad and of course with this season and the way he dealt with her depression that did not make him look any better um and i think he's a person who very very much cares how he looks more than anything else which is i feel unfortunate um because the thing is if you do the right things you don't have to care how you look because you'll look right for the most part yeah um but i feel like he doesn't always and he's so busy playing into how he looks which is why he cares about her bringing that like i can understand him being like okay i'm willing to talk about it in therapy we'll talk about it and then we'll squash it so then he's frustrated because she's bringing it up again but he's now in and adding something new to it she hasn't brought up the cheating again and all those other things again but now he wants to have another baby so yes she's gonna bring up the fact that you weren't around the last time she had babies um but he just doesn't doesn't want to talk to and doesn't want to engage and i almost wish he i don't know had a publisher or someone to tell him like hey (laughs) use he needs these men need to know how to work the camera like the way the women do. Because these women really do know how to like work and manipulate the situations to like have those moments when they need to. Yeah, he needs a little media training. Cause, um, but it's also funny because it's like most of the audience is women. And so mm-hmm. we have a way of how we would want to be talked to in that situation. But I'm wondering if there were other men watching it, if they would view it differently. I don't know. Yeah, men just don't like their past shit being brought up. Like, they just don't want to talk about it at all. But like I said, she's not just bringing up the cheating out of nowhere. This is a whole new situation and a new thing that needs to be discussed. So maybe you're right. They need to go to therapy and talk about this part of it. Yeah. Also, I think there is something to be said for um, men getting frustrated during the newborn period. Um, oh, yeah. Be, and this happened like back to back, right? She had like back to back pregnancies, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she had two infants. And when they feel like, well, I don't produce the milk, I can't feed the kid, I'm useless. And because they feel like somewhat useless in the situation, they get frustrated and they leave or they resent their partner for for needing something from them that they can't provide. I feel like I've mm-hmm. seen this in a lot of, you know, a lot of people. And I think it's a common feeling and there's nothing wrong with like all of the feelings that you have when there is a newborn in the household and there is a lot of stress. But it's just important to talk through it and not hold on to resentment. And, you know, I think Robin does hold on to a little bit of resentment because she's like, I did this yeah. on my own and you were running around. And he's probably like, well, I was also working and bringing you money to raise the kids, you know? So he it's just important to hear each other out. And I think 
therapy is probably a better place to do that than uh, the warehouse for Robin's embellished hat company. Yeah, yeah. I think they just like, I mean, their relationship is hard. I think that while, yes, I think there's love there, I think there's a lot of trauma bonding there based on like what he went through how like her family has helped him based on the age they were when they got together based on his celebrity status and how she probably felt like she was the lesser in the relationship but now that's changed and she like they're they should constantly be in therapy those two like if they truly want to make their relationship work there's so much in their relationship and I do think if they really love each other they can make it work but like I think it's just so deep, all of the layers of it, that I don't know how they can, in a healthy way, just try to forge on with a normal relationship. Because like you said, like, she's resentful. He has frustrations he doesn't want to talk to. I think they have a lot of stuff they need to really unpack if they want their relationship to work long term. Totally. 100% agree with you. Um, Well, let's go to Salt Lake City. Um, briefly, where things are finally heating up. Um, And so one of the real big things that actually happened was towards the end of the episode when Lisa's kids had this fresh wolf event and Mm -hmm. Meredith meets a man named Cameron who used to be involved in Mary's church and says some very cryptic things to Meredith, uh, which she finds to be very troubling He tells Meredith to be careful. I mean, what do you think is going on here? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing with church groups is that, like, I'm trying to say this in a way that will offend the least amount of people. Like, church is, like, I I think there's a lot of people, of course, who, like, love God and love church and, like, go into it for the right reasons. I think that whenever you add money to the situation, especially a lot of it, there's just no way to stop that level of corruption in there. And I think that's that's why we see it happen with all big groups. Like it's like the unifying thing of churches, even like large, huge institutions like Catholicism and the Vatican. Like there's so so much corruption. Yeah, it's like, how do you not have it though? Because now you've gone from this person who like is like, you know, a shepherd and taking care of the souls of their congregation to running this business. And now positions within the church, yes, it's like, oh, I'm a deacon because I like helping, but it's also because it gives me stature. So I think once you add that, you add a level of corruption that is sad, but I think I'm not really surprised anymore when I hear about it coming out. Um, so it's going to be interesting for me to see exactly like how it plays out in theirs and like why the word cult is being thrown around. That especially fascinates me because I'm fascinated by cult. Like if there's a cult documentary, I'm on it. I just watched the one about the woman, the way down. Did you see that one? No, I'm a little bit not into cult documentaries. (laughs) They freak (laughs) me out kind of. Yeah. So especially the religious ones. I'm, I'd be more into, and I haven't seen the Lula Rich thing, but I'd be more into yeah, I saw that one that, that was good. than into one that um, exploits people's religious, you know, th- that seems harder for me to swallow. 
Yeah. Well, I think that that's why I'm fascinated by them mm-hmm. because I just, I'm like, how did you get here? Like, at what point did your rational thinking stop? And like, at what point did you turn over all of your morality lines to this institution? Because even outside of religion, we do it in real life, right? Like we say, there are so many people who are like, well, this is legal, so I can do this. And this isn't legal, so I can't do this. But how many times do we see throughout history where something was legal, not morally right? Laws don't equate to morality. They really don't. There have been so many times in history where the moral thing was illegal and the legal thing was immoral. And it really has to do with power at the end of the day. Um, And so, of course, that same type of logic trickles over into church. But I feel like even more so because it's not just like the laws. You're you're thinking of like your soul salvation and your eternal life. So if you turn all of that over to like what someone else says goes because you truly believe that person has the power and that person has the knowledge, um, you're you're even more vulnerable. And I know like I personally don't. Ever want to get to the point where I feel like someone else has all of the answers like that, but I do understand how it happened. And I do understand, especially why people who are more religious are more susceptible to that happening because you are raised in an environment of like, don't ask questions. You know, most religions, um, no matter what they are, is like, you're following this Bible, you're following the word of this person. Mm-hmm. This person has the answers. You don't question them. And you just kind of hope and pray that they're leading you down the right path with all of that and not the wrong path. But I get how people get sucked into being led down the wrong path. And it takes them a minute to like sort of shake their head and be like, wait, what's going on here? Um, So I'm interested to see like exactly what they mean when they say hers is, is a cult. Yeah, I very much am interested in this. I think there's been rumblings about it. You know, I've even heard from people I know, oh, you know, my coworker used to go to that church and it's like bad news you know, little things like that. And it's like, what? You know, so um, it's also fascinating. I wonder like how bad it is or if it's just like they're weird and people like don't like that. Because there's some of that, right? Like where it's just like, oh, that's not my thing. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a cult just because they're like more strict or more whatever. So I'm wondering like, like, is it because I I, maybe because I like Mary also. She's one of those like, she's definitely not all good. Like, I don't know why, like Lisa asking her about Google is the like brings up her mother never wanting to talk to her again like so to me that is, was a little of a, of a reach yeah, a little that's what of I was a gonna ask reach you. connection <laughs> um so i know maybe that's why i'm hesitant to like really buy into the like the cult thing until i know more information about why they're using that word with her church totally and i don't think we know any of that yet but what's interesting yeah. is you know mary is very charming i think especially mm-hmm. on camera and she's quirky and she makes us laugh and you know and then she's this is the first time i've seen a glimpse of her narcissism the rest of them it's much more apparent and obvious but with her it wasn't and i think she doesn't like getting questioned and she's mm-hmm. used to being like because god did this or because I'm the powers invested in me by Jesus or whatever the answer is where people can't question it. But when it's a fact that, you know, okay, she's trying to state a thing like, you know, ovaries and carbonation and that's like not true. And that's something you can look up. It's, you know, it's not like, believe me because, you know, whatever God. So then she gets frustrated because she's not used, I think, to being questioned in the position that she has in that church. Mm-hmm. so that was yeah, like I absolutely ooh, agree and I think that like dark 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. No, no, that's just dark. <laughs> yeah, I think that like, and while I have sympathy for the situation with her mother, even though I'm sure her mother, I would love to hear her mother's side of the story with all of this. Like, I would love to hear oh, how God. it went down from the mother's viewpoint of having her daughter sort of take her place in the, the church that she had been spending her whole life getting ready for. But um, while I'm sure that that definitely plays a role into it, do I think that Lisa saying, like, I'm going to Google that invoked the feelings of her mother never talking to her again? Unless it was the same weekend that happened, I don't think so. I think that she had some time to think about it, realized she seemed like she freaked out for no reason, and came up with a good reason for the freak out that would also invoke our empathy. I tell you, these Salt Lake City women, they... I don't know if they all had media training or what, but they are really good at sort of trying to shift the narrative in the directions that they wanted to go in. Um, I think we see through it sometimes, but I appreciate their efforts. Um, And I sort of feel like that's what happened there. Yeah, no, I totally it's I can't wait for the next few weeks. It is going to be something. Andy Um, said that the next episode, not the next episode, I think, but the episode after is like the best housewife episode of all time i've heard that and i actually am having someone on in two weeks who lives in salt lake city and who when this all went down went to the courthouse (laughs) i cannot wait to chat with him about it because that's exactly what i feel like i would have done if i was there yeah of course you know if any of these housewives get in trouble in dc or have to testify in congress i'm your girl <laughs> we'll get there we'll, Andy, I will report. The <laughs> okay before we wrap up i just have to get your opinions on a few things on winter house which both you and i i think are equally obsessed with it is such Love a mess it, it is so Love fun it. Yes. <laughs> it is it's a- such a levity like that is yes. truly levity television like that is truly fun watching their arguments are the stupidest things they have so much fun like that is just ease and joy for me okay so question about Lindsay first so she seems to realize that austin keeps her on the back burner and she says that's Mm -hmm. not cool with me i'm a front burner girl do you think Lindsay actually expects people to put her on the front burner or do you feel like she routinely accepts guys keeping her on the back burner i think unfortunately she routinely accepts guys keeping her on the background like the thing that's so frustrating about Lindsay, for me anyways is that like she's pretty great like she seems like she'd be really fun she's very intelligent she has her business together but it's like the minute a man enters the situation all of that goes out the window and she just becomes like this it's like a mix of like this needy, love me, pick me person, but also like, I'm so good that, you know, like, it's very interesting. And I, I have trouble like exactly like nailing it down. So I'm sure the men in her life have trouble nailing it down. But what I do know is the minute she starts to like show attraction to someone, I groan because I know it's about to be a mess, which makes me sad because I want good things for her. Like I want her to find love and be happy and all of those things. But I think that, um, and she's talked about it, her past and her abandonment issues. Yeah. I think that's where we see the pick me side of it come from um, because she is so afraid of being abandoned. I think on one level, she knows her worth, but on the other level, she feels like if she shows it, then people will leave and abandon her. And she's 
had a history of that happening, but it's also because she gets so, so intense, you know? Um, I don't know. Poor Lindsay. Like, I, I want to give her a hug, but I also want to give her, like, a queen high five for knowing her worth, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, maybe it's like she can walk, talk the talk, but doesn't walk the walk because the minute, because she had to know Austin was drunk off of his ass when he said that my goal is to make you my girlfriend. But oh, she I think he was on that. hallucinogenics. Oh, or that, or that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like I was at a fish concert. Like I did not know what was up. But at the same time, I think he is manipulative because he says those kinds of things to keep her around. And then he has Mm -hmm. the audacity to be like, I have no idea she was in love with me. Meanwhile, like Craig is telling you, dude, she's in love with you. Like, don't do that stuff. Oh, that made me so angry because it's like, so you know that you guys are good friends. You know, you slept with her. You told her that your goal was to make her your girlfriend. Now you're acting like she's the crazy one for having. To, I hate one guy. Like, don't gaslight. Don't be an f boy. Like, say that you're not interested because we also all know how this show would be going if Sierra was not in that house paying attention to him. And what he did was set it up so that they would have like this fun, chill, coupley time. And so she's showing up ready for it. But oh no, there's Sierra, and it's not Sierra's fault at all. But his head has been turned. And so now instead of just owning like, hey, my head has been turned, which we all know if, if you watch Southern Charm, his head gets turned even when he has a girlfriend. Um, so instead of just being like, yeah, my head is turned. Instead, he's like, oh, you're crazy. Why? I love you like a sister. Why would I blah, blah, blah. Like, don't do not do that. Austin. Yeah, it's a don't creepy thing to say to someone that you've had sex with. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's just not cool. It's just trying to like ultimate gaslight her. It's just frustrating seeing and knowing what he's doing. Totally. What are your thoughts on him and Sierra as a couple? I mean, I don't see it going long term at all. Um, Not even close. I think it's a fun, it's a fun fling. I think it's a fun, fun fling for them. I don't know. I, I think right now I'm sitting in a place of disappointment with Austin so, so it's hard because I admittedly used to like Austin. Like he was just one. He's just fun. You know what I mean? Like Austin and Craig, you don't take them too seriously. They're just kind of like fun and they're just there. But I feel like he's getting to a point where he's causing more damage than he's just being fun. Like you got to grow up at some point, dude. And that is growing up doesn't mean you have to settle down. Growing up does not mean you have to settle down, but growing up means that you have to take ownership of your actions. Growing up means you have to have accountability. And he still continues to shirk all of that. And it just makes him look bad and it's not cute and endearing anymore. It's like, ugh. Right, because Craig is like the same way. He hasn't settled down, but he is the one person on Bravo that is very loyal to the people that he dates and Mm -hmm. to his friends. And he is very transparent in every relationship he's in. He's never cheated you know, he hasn't always been healthy in the relationships, but, no. you know, but he definitely isn't someone that is leading people on. And yeah, I appreciate yeah. that about him. Um, mm-hmm. OK, last question, just because I think it's an interesting question for all women. So Gabby um, is interested in Luke and mm. she's got this friend, Julia. And Julia's like, oh, I can, you know, ask him about you. This is like classic, like every like teen girl movie, this, you know. (laughs) And so during when they're all hanging out, Julia is dancing with Luke and Gabby gets upset. And she says it's also because 
Julia has messed up some of her previous relationships. So what are your thoughts on this, like, Gabby versus Julia? Did Julia do anything wrong? Is Gabby too sensitive? Thoughts on that? This one is one of those where, like, there's, like, you know, those situations where it's, like, two things can be true. It's, like, it's kind of one of those where, on the surface, Gabby's overreacting a little bit. Um, but if there is that back history, then, you know, maybe she's she's not because she's coming in with that. I don't think Sierra needed to put herself in the middle of the situation by telling Julia that Gabby was upset. She should have, like, Gabby was just venting to a, a friend, age, and Sierra walked in. And I would like to hope that Julia would have received it differently if Gabby had went up to her and said it herself. Plus, there's sometimes, like, I'm a very rational person. Like I am a very logical person, um, but I'm also dramatic AF. And sometimes I just need to get out my drama so that I can get to the logical spot. But because I know I'm dramatic and because I acknowledge when I'm illogical or being irrational, like I won't put that on the shoulders of the person that I'm dealing with until I have worked through those feelings and decided like what in there is true and needs to be addressed. And what in there was just me having a moment. And I've learned not to like try to, get down on myself for having that moment because that's just who I am. Um, But I know that I make a point of like really thinking it out before I bring it up to someone. So it could have been a different situation. Like maybe Gabby would have been upset that night and she didn't make a big deal about it. She didn't confront Julia. She didn't start a fight. She just went in her room and took herself out of the situation. And maybe she's a person who would have like, been upset that night, thought it through, realized the dancing wasn't that big of a deal and would have went back the next day and been like, it's all cool. It's not what it's nothing. Um, Sierra took that option away from her, which I don't think is necessarily fair to her because it forced her to confront something that maybe she would, would have ultimately decided didn't need to be confronted. And then, though, also, maybe it's because given how Julia reacted, we don't know enough about Julia to know if the way she reacted was because the information came from Ciara, not Gabby, or if the way she reacted is just the way she would have reacted anyways. From what Gabby said, it almost makes it seem like that's how she would have reacted anyways, because Gabby kind of said, like, she's never in the wrong. And even in that situation, like, she never really tried to apologize. And I get that she doesn't feel that she did anything wrong. But if Gabby's really your friend, and especially if you know and we, again, we don't know if she knows that she was the cause of Gabby's last relationship ending or not. Um, but if you know that that's your friend and they're upset about something, like to me, and maybe just the way that I operate my friendships, I would have been like, listen, it totally meant nothing. You know, I'm sorry if it hurt your feelings. That wasn't my intent and my actions, blah, blah, blah. But she was just like, you're being irrational and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's not really, I feel, I feel like that's not a way to handle a friend you care about a stranger you don't give enough about sure like whatever get over it but if it's someone who you truly care about I think Julia should have handled it differently yeah no it's just interesting to see like that whole thing because we're given these two new people we've only Mm -hmm. seen them on a few episodes we don't know their whole backstory but I feel like Julia is inherently someone who is good for reality tv and Gabby Mm -hmm. is inherently just not and I, I think maybe that means really? Gabby is it. I think it could mean that Gabby is potentially like a good person. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, just, right. Who's a little bit more sensitive. 
Um, mm. And Julia, someone who I think is a little harsher around the edges. And mm. those people, I feel like, tend to go pretty far because their feelings don't get hurt very easily. And yeah. um, it just with Gabby, like, I'm like, oh, no, honey, no. This is like the cardinal <laughs> sin of reality TV is you can't show too much emotion or that you care too much because yeah. that's just not how these shows go. Right. So um, I don't know. I, I felt, I felt she bad. Had that of her. Because I feel like I had like kind of like the opposite, especially like when she rolled in the first day and was like, I'm taking the master bed. I mean, she ended up like changing her mind and taking somewhere else. But she kind of gives me like a I don't give enough type attitude. Um, and maybe it also has to do. I mean, we also all have those trigger points, those vulnerability points. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe it's just that Julia might be hers and maybe as much as they say they've been friends for 10 years, maybe they've been frenemies for 10 years. Yes. Um, it seems like maybe that's what the relationship is. But it almost seems like Julia doesn't know their frenemies and Gabby does. And that's right. <laughs> so right. Like, yeah. Because oh Julia God. doesn't care. Julia's like, I'm just doing my thing and we're best friends. And yeah. Gabby's over here like, you are the foil of my life. You're the Hamilton to my burr. Like, oh, sorry, nerd reference. I'm obsessed with Hamilton, the musical. Yeah, but, no, um, I love it too. <laughs> but it's just like, he, she just sees... Julia is this person who's like constantly getting in her way. And honestly, for her, she should probably separate herself from her friendship if she really feels that way about about her. Um, So I think no matter what the situation is in Gabby's mind, it's probably going to be a competition between them. Right. And I don't think Julia, we don't know. Julia might see it like that also and be better at playing it off like she doesn't. And she just loves the power trip. Or she doesn't see it like that at all because it's not even on her radar of things to see or care about. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. But I I don't know. I was I was worried about Gabby after that. I was like, I don't know if she's made for this. Like, I don't know if we'll see her mm-hmm. again on these shows. Yeah. If she's, you know, getting super sensitive, taking herself out of a situation, which is a totally human and normal thing to do. But right. when you're on a show where you are vying for screen time, you don't mm-hmm. take yourself out. Right. I'm thinking of it like, you know, I don't know. If you want to be like a reality TV character like Paige, who makes yeah. her money off of being on the reality show and does not have, you know, as much of a different job the way that Kyle does. Right. You know, so. Yeah. But we'll see. It's well, interesting. Well, I know that you said that was the last question, but I do have one more. Yeah. For you, if you don't mind. Go. Okay, so Luke. Luke, I'll admit, I've not been a Luke fan. I'm still not really. I'm trying. I want to like Luke, especially because Hannah did him so dirty last season that I was like, oh, Luke, even though I think he still did dirty himself as well. But this thing with Julia, right? I feel like he was flirting. I think Luke has a big ego. I think my ultimate issue with Luke is he tries to portray himself as something other than he is. I feel like he wants to portray himself as like this nice guy, like mountain boy, aw shucks, like, um, you know, but I think he has like the ego the size of Texas. And I think he gets, he gets off on getting attention from women. And I think that that's why we saw, you know, what went down with Hannah went down, like when she had someone and he was trying to like, anytime someone played attention to her, he wanted that attention on him. And I think that in this situation, I think he could tell that um, Gabby was into him and was enjoying the flirting. But here comes Julia with a boyfriend who seems like she might be paying a little bit of attention to him. And I think his ego makes him want 
to flirt with Julia more and get with Julia more, not even necessarily because he likes her more, but because he would get off on her picking him or doing something with him or just expressing that she likes him, even though she's with someone. What do you think about that assessment? I I think Luke likes a challenge and he mm-hmm. likes the chase more than he likes what happens after you get the girl. And so because of that, it leads to problems. And if someone makes themselves too available to him, it's not interesting for him anymore. Mm -hmm. But we also have to remember that when he came on the show, he said he was just getting out of a very toxic engagement, I think. And so it sounds like he hasn't had a lot of like healthy relationships. And so this seems to me to be kind of par for the course if someone doesn't know how to engage in like healthy dating, hooking up, whatever it it is. I do think that he has an ego, but yeah. I also do think he's a kind person and that if you were to get in a friend zone with him where you're legit uh, just his yeah. friend, that he would mm-hmm. be a really good friend and a really fun person to hang out with. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, which is a lot more than I'll give normally but (laughs) no I think you're right I do think that he is a kind person and I do think that he did talk a little bit about and this is when I really started softening up to him as well when he talked about his home life and how he is trying to be different than what he was shown growing up um and you know it's a journey so yeah I do think if on just a friendship level like I love that him and Amanda are getting along now I really do actually like that so I do think as long as he's not romantically interested in someone um I think He's great. And him and Paige are friends. Like yeah. uh, him and, you know, um, and Lindsay are friends. Like I feel like I, you know, I'm from Minnesota and I'm a huge apologist for for him because of the attention that he brings our state that I feel like we don't <laughs> get. And he, he's like such an ambassador for it. And he does really cool stuff for, you know, saving our lakes and stuff like that by partnering um, on Instagram. I just feel like I feel like he does his heart, good things. Yeah. He does good things. I feel like his heart is in the right place. I also yeah. feel like he's not playing a game that other people are playing with reality TV, that he's yeah. just a complicated, messy person, and that's yeah. what makes him interesting to watch. But I don't think he's going in it trying to weigh, like, who's my friend, who's my foe. Like, he's not mm-hmm. being calculated the way that Hannah was and the way that oh, a lot yeah. of other people on these shows are. And yeah. so uh, for him, I think he's just living his authentic life. I also like that he talked about getting vaccinated for COVID and, you know, didn't care about all the nasty hate he was getting on Instagram over it. I think mm-hmm. it says a lot, you know. I feel like you have done Minnesota a great service just now because <laughs> you have warmed me up even more so to Luke. Then I'm willing to give him even more of a chance and see him more, more of a, as a, as a good person, because you are right. Um, and it is easy to focus on the things we dislike, but I do think that I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's bad with relationships, but as you said, he had that engagement and, you know, he just needs to work through that. So, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people when they don't like someone like Luke on the show or when they didn't like Carl back in the day, it's because he represents something to you that you yeah. don't like and an, an experience oh. that you had with a guy that's, and you, mm-hmm. you, you project it onto him 
but he didn't mm-hmm. do that to you. <laughs> but it feels <laughs> you know? like he did, Andy. But it, it feels, feels like he like did. He, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly the issue with it. And, you know, because we, we've all been wronged by someone, and so it's so much easier to project that onto someone like Luke than yeah. it is the person who did it in real life who we're no longer speaking to and we haven't thought about yeah. in five years. But It's true because I'm such a Carl apologist, and Carl truly is just as bad, if not worse. But I will make all the excuses all day for Carl. And Kyle, too. Like, they have done bad things to women in relationships. They have, you know, strung them along. They have lied. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so that's why I was frustrated during Summer House when they were yelling at Luke. When I'm like, they have done the exact same thing. And for them to be on their high horse is obnoxious and ridiculous. And so I'm not saying Luke is... Fine. I just think people project a lot of feelings onto him. And, you know, it's like, where are those feelings coming from and why are they so strong? <laughs> You're right. You're right, Mandy. So this I'm is not... a great note to end it on. You've you've <laughs> helped warm my heart a little bit more to Luke. The ice, the igloo ice around my heart for Luke is melting a little bit. <laughs> I just bit. think he's just like I just don't think he takes it all as seriously. And yeah. I don't think we should take him so seriously. It's just kind yeah, of like yeah. he's a goofy guy from Minnesota who's incredibly attractive and whatever. You know, he's a model. He acts like a model. Like, okay, it's not a shocker. It's exactly how I expect a model who lives in New York City to behave. Yeah, true. True. So. true. Yeah. Now I have to go and figure out who he is triggering within me right. to the point where I'm so mad at him, but I can excuse it with the other guys. I always wonder that when there's someone that irks me on these shows, I try yeah. and wonder who they remind me of that upsets me because it's not to me. It's like, why would I have such a strong reaction to someone on TV right. And with Erica Jane, just to bring it full circle. I feel like she elicits some sort of reaction, not necessarily from a person in our lives, but for someone who represents something like mm-hmm. something that she got that we didn't have access to. And, you know, she's not grateful enough for where she's at. And, you know, just there's someone who's just stolen or, you know, all of that. She represents the man, (laughs) you know. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on and for giving me so much of your time. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can check out your shows, your Insta lives, all that you do. Yes. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting with me anytime you need me back I'm here um and for everyone listening uh so the quickest and easy way easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram that African butterfly um I do IG lives on Sunday with different guests about self-love and growth on Tuesday specifically about mental health awareness and then in between I do them with different people about different topics like I I talked to someone making a movie about mental health the other day. And a couple months ago, I did like a refugee week. So I try to just, like I was saying earlier, I try to bring awareness. I feel like that's my, what I can bring. Um, So I try to bring awareness about different topics and just talk to interesting people. Um, I also have a a website um, and an Instagram page called National Plus Guide. Um, It's to um, sort of create a plus positive face for people like the ultimate goal is to create a directory of things plus size 
positive. I started it because anyone overweight who has to find a new doctor knows the struggle of finding one who will listen to your concerns and not just be like, you need to lose weight, which is what they'll say no matter what your issue is. Um, and I was like, I wish there's a place I could go and get recommendations. So there wasn't one. So I started one. So that's sort of up and going um, pretty well. And then um, for those of you who are listening to this, because you love Bravo, I love Bravo too. So I have Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo. It's where I talk to other people about different life stuff, but through the lens of Bravo. Um, we mostly talk about things from like sort of the Black aspect of it. So like there's an episode on colorism, um, words don't matter, respectability politics. But then I do also do like ones that are just on certain shows that are fun. Like Mandy was on the episode where we talked about the Vanderpump premiere. Um, I just did one on the first episode of um, Winter House. So that is all on YouTube under That African Butterfly. And it's all streaming on podcasts now as well. I loaded them all to Anchor. Um, so you can listen Ooh. to them through all the major podcast streaming places. It's called Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo because I am Bold Black and Addicted to Bravo. I love that. Oh my God, Nevada, thank you so much. I really, really appreciated this conversation. Absolutely. I had a blast talking to you. Um, And I was telling you before, like it was a day. This is literally the highlight of my day. I think it's the most smiling and laughing I've done all day. So I appreciate it. That's what we love. (laughs) Smiling and laughing. That's what these shows should do for us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we'll have to have you on again. And I will link to all the things that you mentioned in the show notes. So guys, check it out. Thank you.